Hello, and welcome to Nosotros, the podcast about San Antonio and South Texas cultura, política, y más. I'm your host, Elaine Ayala, Metro columnist for the San Antonio Express News. My guest today is Ernie Zuniga. For 17 years, he anchored Fox News First and was part of a team that created this morning's show from scratch, literally from a piece of paper. In May, he signed off from that show of his own accord. He hasn't been on the air since. Well, except for Three Cents Podcast, which he'll talk about later, and his Facebook Live talk show, Pickup Lines. Hi, Ernie. How are you? I'm good. Welcome to Nosotros. How are you doing? You have such a calming voice. As I'm sure you've been told that before, but... Just well, enjoy thanks. listening to you. And I am thrilled to be here. So thank well, you so much. You're so nice to be here. My um my first question for all my guests is really an origin story. I love origin stories yeah. and a time where you can talk about your family, your roots, as well as the roots that you've created. You know, um I, I grew up in Victoria, you know, a couple of hours away from here. And very early on, um, I'm the oldest of three, so I have a brother and sister who both live in Virginia right now. Uh, I think I was about 10 years old. Uh, so the story goes, I was playing Little League Baseball. I was chasing girls in the playground one day at school, and I fell down and broke the ring finger on my right hand, which was my throwing, my baseball throwing hand. There went my Major League Baseball career. Oh, wow. My, <laughs> it, it, we, it could have been so I different. I could have been playing for the Astros. Or, anyway, um, so my brother was playing Little League as well, and uh, he was at his game at the Little League Fields, and a friend of mine was doing the public address announcing at the game that day, you know, now batting number five. Well, in between <laughs> good, innings. A good impression. Yeah, no. So in between innings, my friend had to go to the bathroom. Well, the bathroom was way across the baseball fields on the other side. He didn't get back in time. So the, the inning started. Like, we need a we need an announcer. Who's going to announce? And I happened to be sta- sitting right there. And so I saw the microphone. And I was like, now batting number, you know. And it was it was literally How old were 10. you at the time? I was 10. Oh, my God. And I'll never forget it. And it was probably my first experience with love at first sight. Like, I just he- I heard my voice kind of echoing out in the crowd. And the parents, all of them. Looked up at the press box like, what is that? You know, and I was hooked. That was it. And from that moment on, I just said, I'm going to be whatever that meant, a sportscaster, whatever. And I was a, I was a B minus student, you know, pretty much from K through college. And my teachers would always say, you know, Ernie's a good student. On the report card, they write little notes. Ernie's a good student, but he talks too much. <laughs> Got to work on his talking. And I, with the joke was always, you know what? One of these days, one of these days, I'm going to find a job where I get paid to talk and look at us now. You know, so here we are. Perfect. Um, and the rest is history. But um, so, no, I grew up, my, my mother and father, you know, uh, my dad was an engineer, mechanical engineer for 31 years at the chemical plant there, DuPont in Victoria. My mother was a career educator. So she she taught, then uh, left teaching to have the, our, the three kids stay home, raise the kids. And then as soon as my youngest brother was old enough, she started substitute teaching and worked her way back in. So by the time uh, before she passed away in 2012, she had got her doctorate. She got her master's and her doctorate in her 50s. 
that's late forties. Oh, it's, that's a, that that story itself. If we get to it, is is still just mind blowing to me today. But uh, and before she passed away, she was an administrator for the Victoria Independent School District and just working her way up and just doing amazing things. Um, and unfortunately, leukemia took her life. But um, so I grew up and I think my dad and I grew up in a house of Aggies, you know, Texas A&M. And I think if if my dad had it his way, I would have been an engineer. But it became apparent early on my math skills and my science skills were just not my dad was salutatorian of his high school class in Del Rio or San Felipe High School in Del Rio. I was not salutatorian. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so um, it, I'm sure you did well enough. It skips a generation, apparently. But um, so Ernie yeah. is so well spoken. Yeah, he talks so much. He's he's funny. He's the funny one. Um, but uh, so I went to AM, I tried that. Uh, it just wasn't a super, I mean, I love A&M and I love the Aggies. It just wasn't a great journalism school in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up dropping out of A&M. Uh, that conversation with my parents when I told them, I'm yeah. dropping out of A&M and I'm moving back home. Um, because I had gotten a sports job anchoring the sports in Victoria. And I really was going to drop out of college altogether. Like I was like, I'm making $13,000 a year. I don't need a degree. Well, of course, my mother, like I said, was a career educator. And you can imagine how that conversation went. And I was not going to do that to my mother or my father. So I said, all right, fine. So we have a University of Houston branch there in Victoria. I'll go to classes in the morning, anchor the sports at night. And I did that for about a year and a half until I graduated. Good for you, Ernie. It worked out. And you're such a good boy, (laughs) really. Well, I try. I, look, my, my parents, I, you know, now having three kids myself, you know, you can, I seeing everything through the lens of a parent, I, I kind of have a much greater appreciation. I, I had no concept at the time. They put three kids through private school, K through 12. Oh, With the so tuition admirable. costs and everything and did all of that. You know, my mother gave up her career to raise kids. You know, my dad drove uh, 30, 20, 30 miles a day to go to work and come back and do that over and over again. And again, now I have a much greater appreciation for what they had to do to, to, and I, my brother and sister, I think all three of us turned out pretty well. (laughs) Here's the question. Yeah. Everybody wants you to answer. Uh Oh, so why did you leave the station? How long is your show? (laughs) How much time do we have? Um, you know, it's a combination of things. Um, I've told people it wasn't a decision that was made overnight or just in 2023. This was something that kind of built up over time. And it just became a combination of things. Um, you know, this is really the first time that I've talked about it publicly, but I think that kind of share what, what I've discovered. I've been gone five months now. I've talked to so many people who I now realize are in a similar situation as I was back then. In other words, they're on the fence. They're trying to figure out if this is it for them or if there's something else out there for them. Um, and what are they going to do? And um, so, again, it's a combination of things. But ultimately, what it comes down to uh, was my belief that what I did over all those years had value and brought value. And in your head, you put a number on that value because you have to. I mean, you got to pay the bills. And so when it came time to talk about, you know, 
contract negotiations. And I, I was about every two years I would do this. So I signed uh, eight, nine contracts there. I would always, when I go into the bosses, I would always go in and I would hold my hand like, just like this. And I would say, okay, I'm here. And I was like, I don't want to keep being here. I said, I want to be this way, further up. Reasonable request. Reasonable. I thought, I thought so. Years went by and um, it just became apparent that that morning show, as much as I absolutely loved it and still love it to this day, was going to be it. That was, there was nowhere for me to move, like to go to nights, to go to something else, bigger, a bigger platform. And I, Lord knows I tried um, and it just didn't happen. And what I believed my value to be and what the bosses believed my value to be were two different things and they weren't even close. And so it just became apparent that I was going to have to make a change. And it was by far the most difficult decision that I've ever had to make. Um, and this past summer was not a lot of fun. It was a very difficult time. And I can get into that if you want. But um, somebody asked me the other day, do you regret leaving? And I said, I have never had a regret leaving. I find it tremendously sad. Like, I didn't want to. My quality of life right now is, as I'm talking to you, is fantastic. And I just didn't realize. I tell people, you know, waking up at 2.30, you don't get used to it. I, I don't care what anybody says. You just don't. I got up at 2.30 the other morning to go to the bathroom. And I had like a momentary flashback. I was standing in the same bathroom I stood in for 17 years, looking at the same clock, thinking to myself, and it was exactly 2.30 when I would have woken up to go to work. And I literally, I stood in the mirror in the dark and looked kind of, you know, vaguely at myself. And I was like, how in the hell did I do this all those years? Like, I don't think I, I don't think I know how I did it, you know? Um, and now I sleep until like 7 a.m. or something like that. And it's, it's glorious. But, um, you know, it's a long, complicated story. I'm at peace with the decision. I miss the show tremendously. I miss the good people that are there in that studio. You know what it's like to be in a studio and mm -hmm. you have that camaraderie with those people mm -hmm. that you spend so much time with. Yeah. Through good and bad, commercials, ups and downs, mm -hmm. every day. The stories we have to cover. The stories. And listen, I mean, the, just the last four or five years have been a lot heavy trauma. for anybody. So much trauma. My last day at the station was supposed to be May 24th, which was the one-year anniversary oh of the Uvalde shooting. Yes. That was supposed to be. And that's just the way the, yeah. the contract fell. Mm -hmm. It wasn't nobody's fault or anything. It became very evident and obvious to me. I, there was no way that I could sign off on, on that, that day. day. I just couldn't do that to those families, to anybody, mm -hmm. myself. And so we agreed uh, I would leave the day before. So my last day was May 23rd. And um, I even wore like a maroon tie that day, um, just out of, as a nod to the Uvalde High School colors and just a little nod to them. Because my parents grew up in Del Rio. Mm -hmm. I've been through Uvalde in Uvalde, I don't know, a couple hundred times of over course. the years, driving on 90, going from mm -hmm. here to... They're very comparable communities. Unbelievable. All of them. And you just, there's a row of little towns, small towns, you know, Hondo and Dehennis and, and Sabinal and all those towns, Brackettville going all the way to Del Rio. And uh, so I, I, when that happened, that really hit me hard too. Yeah. 
Well, um, I heard you speak a few weeks ago, and it was at um, Health Fair uh-huh. that you were emceeing. And it was moving. You yeah. kind of spoke to me. I don't know if you realized it, but you spoke about your mom. You spoke right. about how she lived and how she died. Mm-hmm. And um, she was a breast cancer survivor, right. but then she got leukemia mm-hmm. and spent. So uh, you talked about mental health, basically, right. at this health fair when yeah. you spoke of yourself. And it wasn't a very long time that you spoke, but it was really poignant. And I want you to talk about that a little bit on how this time of self-reflection has paid off or has uh, impacted your life. You know, mental health, I, I call it quality of life as well. You know, I'm married to a social worker who spent a lot of time working in mental health and those kinds of things. So I probably have had more exposure to that over the years, being aware of mental illness and dealing with it, the sensitivities of it and the impact it can have on families and stuff like that than maybe the average person. But um, no, I've just done a lot of self-reflecting in recent years, realizing my mother was 61 when she passed away. I'm 47 right now. So I'm so sorry. No, I'm you know, so no, I, well, thank you. Um, my mother had breast cancer when I was 12. And I remember vividly that time. And I mean, that was just such a crazy time. And then she got leukemia in 2011. Um, she was 59. And so at that time, I was already working the morning show. So my routine was do the morning show, drive straight to Met- Methodist Hospital, spend as much time with her as I could before I had, because also I had newborn twins at home when this happened. Mm-hmm. Get home to the twins, try to go to sleep at a reasonable hour, get up. Do it again. Do it again. Um, but yeah, you know, um, my dad, thankfully, is still going strong. I think he's, uh, what is he, 74 now? Um, I tell people, people who know, people who know him know this already, but he's, he and I are identical. Looks, personality, except for the intelligence. But I, I tell my wife all the time, how many women get to know exactly what their husband's going to look like in 25 <laughs> years? Just look at my dad. Exactly. I mean, I'm not kidding. That, that's literally. So, um, so he's doing great. He walks twenty thousand steps. He's always checking his thing, walking, walking around. How many steps does he have? Uh, goes to the gym, eats well. You know. Um, so he's he's still rocking and rolling. But but I have taken, especially with my kids, and just uh, you know, I'm on I'm on the closer side to fifty now. It's like I just okay. Got to make more time. I always made excuses when I did the morning show because I was so tired. Oh, I can't go to the doctor today. I mean, I, I got to take a nap. I got to do something else. There's always excuses, 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 excuses. And I realize now, I, if, if I've made this decision to leave, it's, it's for me. It's to improve my situation. Then I better take care of my health so that if I have all these grand plans that I want to do, I can be alive and healthy enough to accomplish them. And to enjoy them. And to enjoy them, yeah. And so, as a matter of fact, like, when we're done today, I have to schedule an appointment. Uh, my wife went recently and got all her checkup and everything done, and she's, like, in a really good place and and um, super proud of her. And so, I'm, I need to do that as well. Your exodus really mirrored that of so many mm. journalists, and especially in this town. Latino journalist. Mm-hmm. And um, of course, we're both members and we've both been 
past presidents of the San Antonio Association mm-hmm. of Hispanic Journalists. And um, SAHJ did um, oversee, um, commissioned really, right. a study about TV anchors. Right. Their longevity and I remember that, yeah. And it wasn't a pretty. It, the data was not good. I remember <laughs> just the say data. that. I remember the data. Um, you know, I gotta say, just kind of looking back, uh, you know, my previous employer, I, I do have to give them credit because I I feel like over the years, and I was there twice, so I put in a combined twenty two years, roughly. We did a pretty good job over the years of of having a diverse. Uh, newsroom. Um, even on air, I can remember a time not too long ago where probably four of the five most visible personalities on the morning show were Latino or Latina, mm-hmm. you know, um, and it's, it's obviously it's changed over the years and, you know, ebbs and flows and ups and downs. But um, I, I feel like, and there's been a lot of turnover obviously in recent years, but, but I do feel like over the years, even when I first started, um, in 1999, um, we had uh, a pretty diverse. I was in the sports department, and um, I know it's a different time now. But um, yeah, there has there has been. Unfortunately, I, I'm not the first, and I may not be the last. Uh, just veteran journalist to make a change in recent years, and, and I, 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 back, I get back to what I said a little while ago. I just I find it just so sad. Agreed. Mm-hmm. I've seen the same thing happen in newspapers. Um, um, overall, just a sh- much more compact um, newsroom everywhere we look, everywhere we look across the country. Why do you country. think that is? I think the business model yeah. has changed dramatically. Yeah. And meeting the needs of that business model is stressful. Yes. It's constantly changing. Um, it's stressful on the people who have remained and it's stressful on those that have to make decisions to keep the organizations afloat. It's not a pretty story. It's, well, I it's think a, a lot of us too are wired. Story. I mean, you're probably wired the same way. We just come from that generation of just work is everything and we work more than 40 hours a week Mm -hmm. and we work on the weekends sometimes when when i was on (laughs) we read all the time we're always consuming media i think i had an aha moment when i was coming to terms with making the decision whether i was really going to leave um we were at disney world in april right before fiesta we'd taken our daughter for a senior trip uh, with her choir i'm going to pull out my phone to show you what i was doing my wife and I were together. My, my daughter was off with her classmates. My wife and I were in the Toy Story ride line. So like a 45 minute ride, oh uh, 45 minute wait, wait for the ride. And so my wife's waiting and I've literally with this phone, I'm sitting just, just, just doing this. And, and what am I doing? Well, I'm, I'm booking interviews. I'm responding to Fiesta requests. I'm mm-hmm. checking stuff on the show. I'm e- answering emails. And my wife looked at me as only a wife can. And she said, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, we're here in the middle of Disney World on a vacation. And you can't put that darn thing down long enough. Yeah, and I, and that's when I knew. And she was so right. She was a thousand percent right. And I just, that's when I said, 
I'm killing myself over here trying to do all this stuff in Orlando, Florida mm-hmm. on vacation mm-hmm. when my daughter and my wife are here. And I think that was kind of one of the moments that really kind of cemented it for me. Like, all right, it's time to mm-hmm. go in another direction. So um, you mentioned several things there and I want to get to them. Fiesta. Yes. Sure. Because you're a big Viva. Fiesta fan. And um, so let's. Let's talk about your involvement in Fiesta through the years. I know you've been, oh, there you are. Oh, you've my goodness. been, uh, you've been in several courts, Refeo courts. This is my second court I'm on right now. Mm-hmm. And so what you're seeing right there was two years ago and, and you can see everybody's wearing a mask. We're just coming out of the pandemic. Uh-huh. And I was the communications and the media minister for Augie Cortez, who was Refeo 73. And I believe, forgive me, I might be, I believe that's Augie's father. We were at Augie's elementary school Aww. and we went and he's um, a good guy, f- amazing man. And, uh, and, and his parents, that's, it's good parenting. Um, but as you can see, they had me, we did 83 school visits during his run and I was the MC. We had a skit with Spider-Man and, and, uh, superheroes. And I essentially MC or moderated all of those school visits and had just an amazing time. And now you're involved in Mr. McFadden's. John court. McFadden, who I know was here not too long yes. ago, another amazing man. And, and his talk with you was so powerful. His My story gosh. is incredible. Unbelievable. And so John and I were on Augie's court together two years oh, ago. And okay. John hinted at me. He was like, yeah, I'm going to be doing this in a couple of years. I might want your help. And I was like, oh, okay, well, we'll figure it out. Well, sure enough, John came and, and same thing. He asked me to uh, uh, be his uh, communications and his advance minister. And so uh, same same thing. And, and as you know, we, we started off with a million dollar donation and have just Incredible. so blessed. I mean, Incredible. I can't even still wrap my He's brain He's already um, reached his goal and um, and way beyond his I mean, goal. yeah, because I think the goal, if I'm being honest, was probably a million, which would have still far exceeded what the record Anyone else has did. raised. Mm-hmm. Um, but John, of course, doesn't think like that. He's not satisfied and I, I don't blame him. And so- uh, and our, the two queens, the, the Feria queen and, and La Reina Linda, just breaking records, raising As money. As well. All just amazing people that I will remain lifelong friends. Um, and I know I can't wait. I mean, it'll be August of 2024 when we're all together and they award. I think the goal is 500 scholarships. That is incredible. For trade school. And, for, and the trade schools are now part yes. of that. Now, that's another thing that I think was very innovative on his part. While um, we want to encourage all students mm-hmm. who want to attain a college education and beyond mm-hmm. in the professions, um, he's he thought that it was important to also encourage students who um, want to become electricians and plumbers and um, AC guys and yeah. um, women too. So, sure. um, some of my closest friends are, 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 you know, uh, trade school graduates who went on to be s- just spectacularly successful mm-hmm. entrepreneurs, businessmen and women. Um, and, um, I'm so thrilled that, that they have been included because you're so right. I mean, okay. college is a four year university is not for everyone. No. You know, um, Totally supportive of that yeah, idea. Yeah. Okay, that's Fiesta. Now, um, let's talk about your talk show on yes. Facebook. Um, how can we see it? And what right. do you do in, it's called Pickup Lines? It's Pickup Lines, and I always tell people it's not a dating show. So <laughs> I'm happily married almost 25 yes, years. I'm okay. not for uh, <laughs> okay. mate. But no, so long story short, about five, five and a half years ago, because I worked mornings all those years, 
I was always around in the afternoon to pick up my kids from school. So about five years ago or so, I was um, picking up my kids at their elementary school, my twins one morning or one afternoon. And because the traffic was so bad and those lines are notoriously slow, I had to get to the campus very early and just wait there. Yes, in line. 30, 40 minutes, yes. wait. I've done that. Yes. I'm the backup picker up. No, you know, so, and I was just sitting there in the car day after day, five days a week. Like, what am I going to do with all this time? I don't want to read a book. I don't want to watch. So one day I just, again, I pulled out my phone because when I was at, doing the morning show, we did Facebook Live all the time and mm -hmm. I, people really liked it. So I turned on Facebook Live and I just put it on my dashboard there and just started talking to the camera. And, and the, you always find a camera, I Ernie. Always, look, I always find a camera. <laughs> uh, but the audience was far greater than anything I could have ever expected or thought about. So when was this that you started? This is like five years ago. I, I think the earliest oh. episode I found so far was in 2018. Okay. So, and I did it and it turned into about a you know, 20, 30 minute conversation about whatever. I didn't plan anything. But you were in conversation with yourself? No, or well, I was talking to the camera. Oh, okay. And, and in comments, because what I love about Facebook Live is the interaction with people who are watching. They yes. can, you know. They write. Uh, comments. A comment. And so people would comment about stuff, but but it was never planned. So if it was raining that day, we'd talk about the weather. If the Spurs were doing something great, we'd talk about the Spurs. If, if um, you know, this is 2018, pre-COVID. So, or I'm talking about, Life with twins at home, or uh, I had a teenager, teenage girl, you know, parenting, whatever. Well, then my wife got furloughed during the pandemic. And when the kids went back to school after virtual learning, she joined me in the car. And the audience just got bigger because she and I, same format, didn't plan anything. We, now we're talking about marriage and relationships and kind of riffing on each other without, you know, pushing any boundaries. And people loved it to the point where we would go out to events, go out in public, and people would recognize Tammy and be like, that That's show great. you do, that thing in the car you do, that thing in the car. So, I, And they kept calling it the thing in the car. And I was like, well, I got to call this something. I got to name it something. Well, I said, listen, I, I would say this is the only show on earth that I know of that originates live in an actual real pickup line at a school. Oh, that's where it came from. So I okay. call it pickup lines. Well, then it took on a secondary meaning because my attitude was... I'm not getting into, remember, this is 2018. I'm not getting into politics. I'm not getting into oh. election stuff. I'm not getting into um, negative, anything negative. I don't care, local, state, national, international. I'm not going there. That's another show. I'm here to talk about. So pickup lines also became like, I want to pick you up. Like, mm -hmm. let me give you something funny, entertaining, maybe relatable, a little distraction for 20, 30 minutes. And I found there were so many other parents having that shared experience, I'm waiting in the car too, you know, and we're all talking. And so pickup lines took on another meaning like, okay, well, I'm going to pick you up today. We're going to oh, lift you up. That's great, Ernie. And that's so, so then, much your personality. So then fast forward to, you know, May when I was kind of in a rough place. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I was just trying to figure it all out and not having a great July. And of all people, Cleto Rodriguez, I was painting our bathroom in our room one Saturday and Cleto Rodriguez called me, you know Cleto, mm -hmm. out of the blue. And he said, well, he was checking on me to see how I was doing. And then he, he said, you know, you've got, a, you've got this thing, this pickup lines, and you've got a huge audience and a platform. He's like, you need to do something with this. And I was like, okay, what does that mean? And he had already been, he still does a Facebook show to this day. Mm -hmm. 
He's like, we can get sponsors and you can do this. And I'm like, you can make money off of this? And I was like, because obviously I could never do that at the TV station. So I went and spent some time with him, picked his brain. I took my notepad, like an old school reporter with a pen. And I was writing down, like I was a sponge. Just soak it all in. Mm -hmm. And um, a couple of weeks later, I get a call from a PR friend of mine who says, uh, Carmen Gomez, she's married to Joe Gomez, the attorney Gomez Law Fights. Mm -hmm. Hey, they like what you're doing. They see it. They want to sponsor you. Wow. My wife, my wife definitely cried. I was probably getting choked up. That, those two phone calls, and I'm not kidding, changed everything. It just changed everything when I realized, okay, now I can do the show I want to do. I can call my own shots and somebody's going to give me a check for this. And the then you really your the name of your show pickup mm -hmm. became something yet again because you actually picked someone up. Well, no, yes, excellent point because it became again it evolved, but now I'm using this platform, and if I can take and Agama's law firm is a multi million dollar successful law firm, but there are other businesses out there that maybe don't have a six or seven figure marketing budget. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, I, can, I have a, 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 a large enough audience where, hey, if I can spend some time with you on my show or put you on, I can elevate your brand or give you some love, and that helps you. And it's obviously helping me. It's like I told somebody the other day, pick up lines in the, the podcast. This is not like a hobby, like, like, oh, let's go screw around on the microphone for an hour and have fun. This is literally how I support my family. Like my, my daughter had her senior photos the other day. Senior photos are not the cheapest thing. Oh, the no. least expensive no, thing in the world. Nothing associated with graduations. But I literally paid for all of it with money from these shows that I do. And my wife and I are looking at each other like, how crazy is this? You know? Um, and I've just been blessed because I hear from people, I, uh, nonprofits, uh, for-profits, organizations that have reached out and be like, hey, I see this thing you're doing. Like, I, I, I want in on that or how can I? And in, um, it just it's opened me up to meet so many more amazing people and to be able to do exactly what we're doing right now is have a long-form conversation um, instead of what I used to do on the air when it was like four or five minutes at a time. At best. At sometimes. best. And then the person would leave and I was like, Oh, I wish I had more time with them, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And the other show, the podcast Sense, you do, yeah. tell us about that. Well, so that became, getting back to an original point that, that I made earlier about finding people who, you know, Mike Taylor, Cleto Rodriguez, and I do that show. We're all similar age. Mike left a long career in radio, successful long career recently. Cleto had left the TV station. He was laid off. Uh, a few years ago was doing his own content creation and here I am and we sat down one day and realized well one we think we're pretty funny together two three different audiences so my for whatever reason t my audience on tv and on social media to this day has always been about two-thirds women oh that's just adorable right <laughs> Thank you. It's my, it's my good a, looks, right? That's yes, what it is. It's because exactly. you're such a stud. Right. <laughs> exactly. You can't even say that with a straight face. Um, 
Mike's audience is, I don't know, 80, 90% men, obviously, sports talk. Yes. Klepto uh-huh. always says his audience is bingo ladies. <laughs> but, but in all seriousness, it's three diverse, yes. unique audiences. Um, and we get together. We think we're funny. Our, our wives, significant others think we're funny. So we put it out there about a month ago or six weeks ago. Got a really nice initial response. Um, and where do we watch? So that? both okay. So so both initiate right now on f- my Facebook page, and also Mike is is probably strongest on YouTube. So he does his oh, content okay. on YouTube. Kleto does his on Facebook. I do mine on Facebook. Okay. But we we essentially wallpaper all of the social media platforms with our shows. Okay. Just to try to get them out there to everybody. And it's um, called Three Cents. Three Cents Podcast. Right now we're doing two episodes a week. Uh, pickup lines I do one or two a week and then again Kleto and Mike have their own shows they do I think five days a week congratulations on all that it's been an amazing blessing um I I could I would never be able to thank everybody individually who who've reached out or offered support uh you know friends from the, the tv station public relations friends of mine people like you John McFadden my in-laws my dad um, I'll never be able to thank my wife. Uh, Tammy was just again with me and has stood by me through this entire thing. We, we likened it to jumping out of a plane. I've never jumped out of an airplane, but we kind of likened it to in May, we were like on the edge of the plane, mm-hmm. like getting ready. And then we jumped and then we're like looking up at the plane and we're like, well, we can't go back in the plane now. So now what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. And which leads to my, Last question, mm-hmm. and that's what's next? Oh, my goodness. You know, um, in a perfect world, I would continue to grow these two shows that I'm doing and, and just help people and continue this. Um, uh, I, I'm on record as saying that the TV news thing is, is not off the table. I, I still have a passion for it. I still think I could contribute today. Um, and if given the opportunity with the right fit, I would certainly entertain that once again. I, I, I'd be lying if I said I, I wasn't interested in that. But the crazy thing is, I, I told somebody the other day, I've kind of stopped predicting the future because every time I try to predict it's I'm wrong or something unexpected out of nowhere comes and just changes your trajectory or mm-hmm. kind of, you know, where you're going. So I, I know I'm kind of just in my lane right now trying to focus on these things, grow them. Uh, I've got three teenagers at home, you know, so de- dealing with all of that um, and the Fiesta stuff, the Ray Feo. This is the 75th year for the Ray Feo. It's the diamond anniversary. So it's mm-hmm. everything's going to be bigger than in 2024. So that that takes up time because of my mother and leukemia. I'm a board member for the Leukemia Lymphoma Society. So I try to be active and uh, I've been emceeing events and mm-hmm soliciting sponsors and, you know, just trying to be busy, productive and stay out of trouble. I think those are good mottos. Um, And I thank you so much for coming on the show and being so open with us. I think people have been curious for a while now. And um, I know you can't um, talk about every issue that you had at the station, but um, wish you well. And continued success. So many people have helped me. So if this in any way can impact somebody in a positive way, then I'm, I'm so thrilled for that. And I'm, I really appreciate you having me here. Thanks. <laughs>